So, uh, wow, big crowd. Welcome to the New Media Show. My name is Todd Cochran. Of course, I got my co-host here, Mr. Rob Greenlee. And, of course, we are fighting for lunch, and we lost, Rob. <laughs> yeah, we did. But that's not necessarily surprising. But uh, food is important to the, to the human existence. But it's great to be here, Todd. It's great to do the New Media Show again. Yeah, so for those of you that are catching us very via podcast, uh, don't forget the newmediashow.com and subscribe to the show when you're on the website. We've had a lot of feedback from our last episode with Hernan. Uh, talking about the Podcast Academy. We've had over 12,000 downloads on that show, so uh, that's a good one to listen to. Of course, our recent guest from Pocket Cast as well did well. But today, Rob, why don't you introduce our guest? Well, we've got a couple of great guests, um, and let me just kind of set up the episode a little bit. Uh, what I'm hoping to talk about on the show today is uh, around the, the movement that's been happening with podcast associations and academies and all this kind of stuff and just kind of dig into that topic. It seems to be a hot topic in the space. You know, last week we had Hernan Lopez on from Wondery talking about the Podcast Academy. And so what I thought we would do is talk about the, the other associations that are in the podcasting space and ones that have been attempted to be started and kind of look at the past, present, and the future of whether or not the podcasting medium actually needs an association that maybe can support the indie community and then the, the Podcast Academy maybe supports the more professional side of podcasting. But I have a couple of great guests here. Andy Wang, uh, who's a podcaster himself. He does the Inspired Money with Andy Wang podcast. But he's also um, working with the uh, Asian American Podcast Association which has been around for about a year. And then we have Glenn the Geek here, um, who's founder of the Horse Radio Network, a very popular and well-known longtime podcaster at uh, horseradionetwork.com. But he's also one of the original founders of the, the International Podcast Association and that it attempted to be uh, started here most recently. And we kind of want to talk about what's going on with that. So maybe we just start off, Todd. Is there anything you wanted to jump in? And well, I just think me? we should start off and talk about PodFest a little bit and right. how the event has been so far. And I guess just run down from you guys. And, you know, you guys been walking the halls and going to the sessions. Well, how's PodFest been so far? This is my sixth year. I think I was there in the beginning, and wow, it's big. That's one thing. We've doubled the size this year. Went from 900 last year to 1,800 tickets were sold this year. Uh, it's a long way from when we did the first one, and there were 60 people in the room in a little hotel in Tampa. Uh, and I, I think the energy is great. One of the things I really like about PodFest is it's a family you feel like you're part of a group of people who are really trying to do something and they're helping each other and doing it together. And I think that's where the independent podcasters, uh, that's, that's the energy you get here is the independent podcasters. Are, we all have to do the same things. We all have to, we all have to plan content. We all have to edit. We all have to do everything ourselves. We don't, we don't necessarily have teams to help us. And so we're, all, we're trying to figure out every piece of the pie. And I think that it's a very lonely thing, podcasting. So when you develop a family around other podcasters, that's important to keep you going for a long period of time. Andy, how about you? How's the show been? I'm the new guy on the block. So this is my first podcast. I'm super excited to be here. And I am impressed by the size of the event because I hear the stories about the humble beginnings. And yesterday was great because uh, Chris Kremitzos and the team put together micro-conferences. So there was just a lot of variety. And as with all conferences, our friends joke that there is a hallway track. 
and it's just a lot of networking and seeing old friends and meeting new people, so it's fantastic. Yeah, my perspective is always kind of, we're stuck in the booth, and it always, we look at the traffic, the booth, and we were four deep last, yesterday, and, and I made a comment on Facebook last night, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, that uh, PodFest is going to give Podcast Movement a serious run for their money based on independent podcaster traffic. Um, it's definitely, uh, you know, the, I was just out of Podcast Movement Evolutions, and the traffic has been fivefold as compared to out there in Los Angeles. So it's uh, it's interesting to see the, the growth. Matter of fact, I had to go to FedEx and do an emergency print run because we, we take and go every year to a conference and we say, okay, we had this many hangouts last year. Let's just up it by 50%. Well, I should have like tripled it because uh, I ran out of handouts like at two yesterday afternoon. I had to have stuff printed. So yeah, it's lots of independent creators. Yeah, and that's been in the face of uh, what's happening in the greater world around us with this whole virus. and. Um, South by Southwest getting canceled and events getting canceled. I, I don't, I don't see a huge impact on this event. On Chris was on. nervous about this event, yeah. though. We we've been having discussions for the last two weeks about right. that, and I think if we were holding it in another two weeks, it'd be a different story. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And we're a month away from NAB, and uh, maybe a little over a month, and. You know, I don't know. We'll see. And uh, most of us have, a, at least Rob and I, both of our companies have a lot of money tied up in that event. And if they cancel, well, it's just going to be like any other event that cancels where you're like, well, you know, flush that money down the toilet and see what happens next year. But yeah. anyway, we're here and PodFest is, seems to be thriving. And for us, uh, our bread and butter is with independent podcast creators. And I think uh, Chris has done a good job in, in uh, growing the show. And I think we have something ticking over over there. Yes, something <laughs> collapsed. Yes, Shout out to everyone here who, all of our intermittent eaters who are skipping lunch. Yeah, we <laughs> <laughs> So, the question at hand, and this is um, more of a question Rob and I have been dealing with really kind of over the last five years as bigger players have joined the space, and I run this question by all of us, or all of you. Are we seeing a divide? And by the way, we, Rob did put together an agenda, so that only happens at live events. I was impressed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so are we seeing a divide developing in the podcasting space between the indies, true indies, and those that are kind of called indies, and then the commercial space? Are we seeing a divide develop? Oh gosh, you guys are all looking at the new guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, believe me, we'll give you our input. Too, so. Well, I listened to your episode with Hernan, and clearly the answer is yes, with a question mark. There has been a lot of attention uh, ever since Podcast Movement Evolution with the announcement of the Podcasters Academy. What is the proper name? Podcast, Pod, Podcast Academy. Podcast Academy. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of discussion, I think, in the podcasting space about that there is there is a perceived divide. And when I talk to the OG podcasters, I'm told that it's a divide that has kind of always been there, even from the early days. If you just go back to uh, simple meetups of podcasters, those who are talking about monetization versus those who are not. Right. So in many ways, it's not a new thing, no. but I think that there is a clear difference here because money is flowing into the podcasting in industry. And there's a lot of diversity in the space. And the question is, do indie podcasters need to organize? Because certainly 
I think that as diverse as indie podcasters are, because we represent so many different topics, different objectives, that's one of the challenges about organizing. I mean, even with your award show, Todd, you know that organizing anybody is like, it is herding cats. Right. right. And the question is, can we organize? Is there a desire to organize? I think that there is an agreement that indie podcasters want a voice at the table, and we don't know how to best achieve that. So Glenn, what about you? You've, you've got some unique perspectives on this. You've been around a long time. Yeah, I've been doing this since 2006. And I think part of it, we have to look back to the roots of how we all started. We were kind of the rebels, right? I mean, right. we were the ones that were making waves in this world and, and doing it a long time before people figured out what podcasting was before Serial came along, right? right? And we were educating people about podcasting. But the key to that time, as you guys know, is there were no rules. We were making our own rules. We made this up as we went because there was not there was no guide map. We you know, we were kind of guiding the way and leading the way. I think one of my concerns when I saw radio in the last couple of since serial, really, is when we can use that as our benchmark, I think, um, is that I'm afraid that there's going to become rules and that that the indies are going to have to live by those rules. So a year ago, we, we started getting together and talking about an association called the International Podcast Association. The problem with this is, is the problem that all indies have, is that we don't have time or money because we're too busy trying to run our businesses. I I put out 60 episodes a month on the Horse Radio Network. That takes a lot of time. So, you know, we're kind of on hold right now after meeting for a year because we didn't have the time or the money, which is another problem with indie podcasters, right? Todd, you know that better than anybody, right? Um, they don't want to pay $12 a month for hosting. Well, that's changed. A little bit. No, a lot. Yeah, a lot? Okay. A lot. But still, time. Time. Time, time is what's short. Yeah, and time is always my enemy, you know, um, all of our enemies. Right. And, and I think that's one of the problems with getting indies together to form an organization is it takes a boatload of time. Yeah. Because how do you delegate the time when your team is me, myself, and I? Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. yeah. Totally. And you're working 40 hours a week and overtime and kids and spouse or significant other and life. And then how do you say, hey, give me three hours a month to help build this organization, lead this committee, which requires 20 hours of back work between meetings. It's, right. it's a lot to ask someone, and it's, it's and difficult. It's, and it's also about money, too. It's and, money. And that's, that's why you see a lot of the professional sides of things, the corporate side of things, are able to form these associations much easier because there's typically more money available to pay people to do work versus being volunteers. Yes. Uh, Todd, you, you told me when we had this first conversation a year ago, right, about this association. You said we're going to need a, you're going to need a quarter million dollars to make this work, to hire the people, to build it out, to do everything we wanted to do to help the industry, to help the independent podcaster. And you're absolutely right. And that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Yeah. You know, in the scheme of things, we could raise it. We could raise the quarter million. That's not. We could probably raise a million dollars. But the challenge then is, um, who runs it? And then what are the agendas? Because everyone's going to come to the table with agendas, even if they're independent podcasters or not. So you mean podcasters you... have opinions, Todd? <laughs> well, so, we all have a microphone, too, right? So it's, you know, it's, not an easy, it's not an easy task, and I, I don't think it's insurmountable, but I think that if you look at what is now occurring with the formation of the Podcast Academy, 
and you look at the names that are at least initially on the board of governors, I think from my perspective is, and even after talking to Hernan and them saying that they want to include independent content creators, I feel this hmm, almost like, okay, we have to, not you want to want to right we have to or all hell's gonna break loose did yeah. you do you think that they knew i listened to that interview very well done by you guys by the way um do you think that they really realized that before the backlash started they don't uh, okay so here's a point in that, a point in order has anybody seen anyone here from gimlet wandery midroll Spotify. Spotify. Um, I'm yeah, sure the coronavirus kept them away. Now, the Pandora folks are here. Applause yeah. to them. Right. But who, right. iHeart's not here. They don't even know the indie community. That's the problem. They don't know us. Because it's not their world that they right. typically um, work in on a day-to-day -day right. well, basis. Well, it's not a structured world. Oh, it's absolutely not a structured world, and I like it because it isn't. Well, but they're a corporate. They right. like structure. And they like control, yeah. too. So right. that's the other part of it. So there is going to be, and I think that this is an interesting question, is is divide, and what we're seeing here, a natural evolution of the maturity of this medium. If you look at any other medium, you saw that you've seen the same thing happen, right? When big money comes in, big media gets involved, it's it, it's a different game. It's a game of scarcity. It's a game of exclusivity. It's a game of premium. It's a game of quality, right? Or perceived quality or their quality, right? Um, that, that really drives it. And I think this is, this is a unique opportunity for independence to really stand up versus what's happened in film and what's happened in, in music. Uh, where the independent community kind of got pushed to the side, right? Yeah, and I, you know, I, I'm sorry. To, go ahead, Andy. You had to say something. Well, I think that it's it's a little bit different when it comes to podcasting, just because the nature of the development of different media, different forms of media. Because when it was newspapers, you had a small number of newspapers or publishers who had the money, and they sold the ads, and then suddenly bloggers came, and news delivery changed. Right. Uh, television has been that way too. We've seen from very few networks, you had the big three really controlling most of the content. And now you watch award shows and the actors are thanking Amazon and Netflix and it, the distribution has changed. Podcasting, it's like upside down because you had independent podcasters that really represent as Rob Walsh uh, stated today in his keynote that it's, what is it, 99% yeah, of indies. the podcasts right. are indies and it's 0 0.05, I think, or 0 0.5, was it 0.5%? Something like that, right. It less than 1% is the radio and professional podcaster. So it goes to show that there is a legitimate uh, dissatisfaction or backlash that we've seen as a reaction to mm -hmm. the announcement of the uh, formation of the Academy and the awards and podcasters are going to speak up. So the question is all these voices, will the big podcast as an industry, are they listening or not? And I think, you know, going back to history, we can be pretty brutal. We can be pretty brutal and we can be self-defeating at the same time. So we have to be careful that we don't become self-defeating. You know, it's kind of a different topic line, but I look back to the early days when 
the advertising space was just kicking off in podcasting and we would have five, 600 shows with 5,000 or fewer listeners on an advertising buy. And then around the time Adam Carolla came in the podcasting space and some bigger shows started showing up where there was actually, before there were no big shows, but when Adam showed up and these bigger shows started coming on the scene, the money started rolling upstairs into these big corporate shows or big, big podcasts, the money never came back. They really haven't come back to the smaller shows in mass. So, you know, today, if someone, if someone came to me with a quarter million dollars and said, we want to do an ad deal and we want to monetize shows that are $10,000 or uh, 10,000 listeners or below or downloads below, I think I would literally pass out because those deals just don't come anymore for the smaller shows. So that divide started there and then it's continued. So um, I think they try to understand, but I just don't know if they understand. I, I, I think they try. So that leads to the question, is there room for two separate groups? Could two separate groups succeed in this space? So, so if we say we have the corporates and we have the independents, can the independents do their own thing? Can they do their podfests? Can they do their own thing and succeed? Because a lot of them don't want to make money. They're in this for whatever reason, right? right? They don't care about making money. Uh, so is there room for two, or will one press the other one out? I, I think you'll never press indies out. We're here. They, they can't get rid of us. It's impossible. They can't well, because the space is open. Right. And as long as it remains open, and I, you know, I've talked about that a lot, yeah. uh, or keeping RSS open, and, and probably some other stuff we can talk about. But I think that um, we're not going to get to two billion dollars in revenue without the indies. We're not going to advance the space without the indies. But at the same time, we need the corporate podcasters and those with those big shows to continue to build awareness, right. get us past the 75% mark, as um, Tom Webster said the other day, in awareness of podcasting. We need 100% of America listening to podcasts every week. Um, we'll find out on the 19th the full spectrum of what the new... 2020 is brought in, in podcasting because the voice, the new surveys coming out from from Tom and his team, so we'll see what happens. But uh, I don't know, I, I think there'll be a divide, but are we willing to also work with the commercial folks? So there's two ways to look yeah. at this too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that the, the divide is here. It's been here for quite a while now, actually. It's just been um, developing and it's been, been growing, but you know, it's um, the professional podcasters or the radio folks have been involved in the podcasting space since the very beginning. Yeah. I mean, if you really think about it, We've gone through two waves of, of indies and professionalized podcasters coming into the medium. If you look back 2005, six, seven, um, a lot of the big media companies were involved in the medium and then we went into this little bit of lull and perception of the industry and a lot of those big uh, media companies jumped out of the medium. And then that kind of left the door open for indies to kind of blossom and, and grow. And then, like you said, when Serial kicked off, I, I think it awakened the, um, the larger companies to get back in the space. And I'm happy about that. In the horse world, right. I was the only one doing shows for eight years. There's no other podcasts. Now there, there are lots of them, and my numbers are going up because it's the discoverability, right? They're helping. They're I finally have somebody helping me educate my space, my listeners, how to listen. And we're still fighting that battle with 50% of the population, right? So Rising yeah. tide lifts all ships. Yeah. I mean, I think that when you have 900,000 podcasts, and uh, even if it's 246,000 active podcasts, it forces everyone to raise the level of their game. I think that the quality of podcasts are, are improving, yeah. and you've got a lot of great shows, 
And it doesn't matter if it's the big podcast and big networks versus indie podcasters. You have really high quality shows on both yeah. sides. Right. And in my view, if you take an optimistic outlook, and it, it goes to what Glenn was saying, rising tide lifts all ships, I think that if money's coming into the industry, that's going to open up new opportunities for the indies. Yeah. And even here at PodFest, I talked to someone today who has a pretty big indie show, and I think that he may actually join a network. Right. Um, so there's a great business opportunity yep. for him and his team. Yeah. You know, it, going back to one last thing on the Podcast Academy, and I talked about this on the last show, was that Netflix spent $26.5 million to get 21 nominations with the Oscars and actually walked away with two. So my ongoing concern does the podcast with the biggest PR firm end up winning Podcast of Academy Awards or whatever they end up being called. Yeah. Um, I hope that's not the case. But, you know, there's other issues is what if iHeart allows 3,000 of their employees to sign up for the Podcast Academy and then, you know, they've got 3,000 votes for their shows. You know how this works. So we'll see. <laughs> but as an independent podcaster, do I care? I'm not going to win an award over there. I, I've accepted that, but, right? But Glenn, I but, could in yours. But Glenn, there's a lot of podcasters that are indies that would chomp at the bit and do backflips to win that kind of recognition. I think they deserve to. Right. And I mean, I'm not arguing that. To, right, yeah. If right. they deserve to, they, yeah. they should be given an equal opportunity to. Right. right? Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's the key thing that we need to enable. And this organization, the, the Podcast Academy, is is, I mean, I was on the board of directors meeting a couple days ago up in New York, and, and they are open to um, getting indies engaged and involved in this, this organization, and they're looking at ways to do that, and I, I think it gets back to a, a culture divide that exists between many of them on, on, that are on the board today and the indie community, um, that they don't understand each other. There, there's a definite um, understanding divide and they're a little unclear on who and how and all these kind of things, and, but they're open to feedback, and I'm giving them feedback by being engaged in this Thank board you. of directors' um, <laughs> meetings about how they can do that and who may be good candidates, but you know, I'm, I'm just one voice. You know, I need to be able to be representative to them of a broader perspective on this, too, and that's one of the reasons why we're doing this show is to try and raise this conversation and work it out. Well, as we pose the question, can indie podcasters organize? We don't know. And is there even a desire to? We know that there right. is a need if right. one wants to uh, close the divide a little bit. I mean, perhaps our best and most realistic hope is that uh, having Blueberry, Libsyn, Podbean, having the podcast media hosts who represent a lot of the indie podcasters right. be that voice. That seems to make sense. And I mean... I think that it, it's not an easy task no. that, the, that the Podcast Academy has taken on. It's going to be a tough job, and there are going to be people who are unhappy. And if I can speak for the Asian American Podcasters Association for a moment, we are trying to do something similar, but very grassroots. I mean, again, we don't have the funds. Uh, my co-founder, Lee Wehara, and I, kind of like a two-person show with a couple of people volunteering. And, you know, our view, why we started it, is that if you look at the U.S. population, about 5.6% are Asians. I don't think that you have 50,000 
Asian American podcasters out there. So we might be surprised. We might be surprised, <laughs> which was a little bit of you know a challenge to myself. I'm very curious to know who are the Asian American podcasters out there. I know that there are Asian Americans involved on both sides, big podcasting as well as indies, and trying to uh, identify who they are. We did start a podcast directory. And it's not solely Asians in America, so it's broad. Right. But we've got about 550 shows in there. We have 300 plus members in our Facebook community. So really just trying to uh, build something where we can encourage others to um, start shows and share their voices because there is not that gatekeeper. Yeah, Glenn, I think when you guys started your effort, I was, I think I basically told you good luck or something. Yeah, you did. It was, it was pretty much, I think it was a little more uh, graphic than that. But no. So tell, you know, what were and what are, you know, what was the biggest challenges? Because you guys did a, you know, novel effort here to try to get this off the ground. Money? Uh, money and time. It's always money and time. And we did talk about what we wanted to accomplish, and I think one of the major things we wanted to accomplish is to have a voice. We wanted to have one organization that could speak for the Indies, but one of the challenges that we discovered or we knew about, but I don't know how to overcome, is that the other problem Indies have is they come and go so quickly. Our dropout rate with independent podcasters is still, what, six months a year? And we're losing a majority of them every yeah. year? Are those people willing to pay a membership fee to be part of this organization that they don't even know they want to be or they need to be? So that education, we're back to where we were in 2006. Now we got to educate the podcasters that they need to have representation when they're just trying to figure out whether they're going to make it six months. Yeah. So that, and it's, it's like conferences like this. Chris constantly has to battle with new people coming in every year. So that was another challenge that we identified that was going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem for you, too, is that the, until that dropout rate goes down, that pod fate rate, which I hate that word, but till that dropout rate goes down, we're going to be – you guys battle it, too. I mean – Pod fading. That's yeah, what it's called. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think there's a certain segment of the indie podcasters that are broken into multiple categories. And I kind of define them almost in yeah. their goals. Right. You know, there's some that are – having a beer with a friend and want to chat. It's a, maybe it's a woman that's running a ministry group. Maybe it's a, it could be someone that's a business that's got a funnel. Maybe it's someone that's trying to build a consulting business. So there's this wide range of quote-unquote indies who also have commercial tendencies and then folks that are not. So I think that you have to figure out how to find the mix and find those folks that are going to be in the space for a long haul. That was the other problem we had. How do I identify an indie? I'm a professional podcaster, make a living doing this, right? I run a network. We also do shows for companies like Purina. Are, is that an independent podcast or not, right? It's a corporate podcast, but it's done on an independent network. So there's a lot of things that went into identifying what's an independent, yeah. right? Well, and there's another part of this, too. I mean, if you look at the, the name that you guys picked, the International Podcast Association, it doesn't say independent podcasters. Association. Right? We started out wanting independent podcasters association right. and then that morphed. Right. So yeah, you probably got the taking bullets because people are like, why are you calling it the indie? Mm -hmm. Right, right. Because I mean a lot of independent podcast producers think of themselves as professionals, right? So uh, labeling um, this community as independent podcasters maybe is a downgrade in perception that maybe the industry doesn't want. So maybe the International Podcast Association can be inclusive of the whole industry. Right, and, and not so much 
you know, so you look at the Podcast Academy, and that plays to a little bit different different market. That it's the larger companies, and can, can we create an equal kind of but different kind of? Experience I don't think here? the Podcast Academy is interested in becoming an association. No, well, that's not. A, that's the thing. I think totally. they have a very specific goal in mind, where we had a broader goal in right. mind, right. and you do too. Right. Yeah. Right. So I think it's it's not so much a conversation just about indies. But it's representation of voice. I mean, like Todd and I have started the RSS Coalition, and he and I have had conversations about maybe the RSS Coalition becomes a podcasting coalition, or that's similar to what was attempted with the International Podcast Association. I'd be the first to join. Right. But, but Glenn, you know, when, I, when Rob says that, I gasp because I the RSS Coalition is already just dumped 40 uh, feral cats in this room and try to hurt them all. It's. Yeah. You know, it's welcome nice. to our world. <laughs> yeah. well, that's that's this medium's strength and its weakness all yeah. at the same time, right? Yeah. Everybody has opinions. Yeah, that's a podcaster for sure. And that's why this medium has done so well is because of the openness of it and the um, the blank slate scenarios that this industry has fostered. Now, just so the audience here and also listening, if you're new to the show, don't get us wrong. We think what the Podcast Academy, at least I do, I think what the Podcast Academy is doing is good. Yeah. It's good for the community. It's going to build some training tools. Right. It's going to provide some awareness. That's all good for the space. It is good. Right. And uh, I think that uh, they're being aware that they want to be inclusive. I think that's good. So we'll, you know, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt and letting them go through the process. Um, and then we have to decide as a, as a community... Do we want something more, or do we just want to say, okay, let's continue forward as it is, and then get training wherever we feel we're hosting from, or from a consultant, or whatever? I know that's what we have to look at. Plus, you, we we did surveys when we through this process of putting this together, and you talk to half the people in this room, and and they don't know they have a problem, or that there even will be a problem down the line as they grow. They don't know that there is an issue. They they have no comprehension of needing an association for whatever reason. Right. Yeah. They're just launching a podcast. Yeah. Exactly. Right? But yeah. you know, I do think that there's some concern that some podcasters have that have been around the medium for a while that. Um, the formation of this podcast academy uh, maybe puts a, a, a tear and maybe a, a, a distinction that maybe they don't like and it, um, maybe can cause them to be a little discouraged, right? Maybe the opportunities aren't there for them like they used to be, right? I think that's the core of the fear. I have to run here, but I wanted to say one other thing. The radio doesn't have this figured out either. I, I'm in touch with a couple of producers of some major shows, syndicated shows, and we have these private conversations, and they're going, you know, we're doing this podcasting thing, but it ain't working for us the way we hoped it would. So magazines are getting into this. They're failing left and right because they don't have the formula either. So it's not that they have it all figured out either. They don't. Uh, right. They're trying to figure it out as right. well. It's, right. it's, so we're, we're thinking they're coming in and they're going to just win with this right. because they have a large audience to begin with. No, the shows still have to be yeah. good you know, and entertaining yeah. and all of that. Yeah, well, so yeah. I think we're dealing with perception versus reality, and right. I do agree with you, um, Glenn, that, um, that the impact of these bigger media companies on the medium is not as big as people think it is. I mean, if you really look at the numbers, right, was it 98, 99% of the medium is considered independent podcasters? Glenn, I know you got to go, yeah. but uh, for those of you that are listening to the show, horseradionetwork.com is the place to go. Glenn yep. is on 
almost every day of the week. 10,000 yeah. episodes by the way. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. That's, uh, oh my God, that's, that's incredible. That's 100 hours a week for 14 years. Do the math. Consistency. <laughs> how much time that's in the chair behind the mic. So right. yep. yeah, thanks for joining us today. And we'll continue the conversation here, of course. But thanks, guys. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. I have to go to work. All right. Thank so, you. Andy, I know you've been uh, chomping the mic here. So, Well, how do you educate people about a problem that they don't know that they have? Well, and I, I, on the big podcaster side... They're, they may be neglecting to think about the indie podcaster. I don't know. The indie podcaster is just trying to work on his or her show and try to publish that on a consistent basis while doing multitasking with their family and their work and doing everything else. Uh, I don't look at it, though, as that there's necessarily an, a problem. I look at it more as a way for us to... I guess, for a better word, have a seat at the table and yes. be able to provide input to bigger organizations like the NAB and organization that has events and say, hey, consider podcasting and promote podcasting and bring people in um, and be able to promote the, the medium while at the same time Jointly. kind of looking out for stuff that's going on, maybe watch right. for legislative issues that may be coming out. I don't necessarily think there is an issue right. per se, right. but I would hope that we'd have some sort of organization that could come together and be able to at least uh, have some central voices and have a budget to be able yeah. to maybe go to DC and knock on doors or go to events and promote. And because right. stuff is going to come up at some point right. where we're going to need representation, uh, maybe not now, but uh, down the road. And at the yeah. same time, at least have a uh, events where we can have uh, have training. You know, events like this are great. But um, I think that there's ways that we can help promote independent podcast creators and not make it feel like it's a good old boys club right. and, and be as inclusive as possible. Right. But, and where does one have those conversations, right? That's the need right now. I think that everybody needs to come together and have those conversations. And I don't know that there is a vehicle for that. Right. And the indie producers also, I, I think, in a large extent... Um, look at those bigger players in the medium and those networks as aspirational as well. I mean, they want to produce a quality show and some of them want to get picked up by a network uh, and be able to more fully monetize their podcasts. So it's, it's really what the goal is, at least with my, is just keeping these worlds connected somehow and working together as much as we can um, and not create too much of a divide in perception and understanding because I think both sides need each other. Yeah, I agree. And we also don't want to turn this into a situation where where we're whining right. because we're being left behind. That's absolutely right. not the case here. Right. That, and that's not the perception that I hope. I hope it never gets to that point yeah. where they, you know, they're just crying because we're not being included. And well, we have to put on our big boy pants and our gal pants and and step up and do what needs to be done to help continue to promote the space. Well, we're the largest part of this industry. The independent community is the largest part of the industry, and it just needs, I mean, maybe the conversation would be, do we want to include them, you know, and, you know, and, and really kind of embrace this from both sides um, and understand where the value is on both sides. Yeah. The struggle Rob and I have had both had is who leads this, right? You know, so you know, initially when uh, some folks in another organization, I said, "You guys would be great to do this." And they're like, "We're out of time too," so you can't have a Rob or Todd 
leading an organization like this or trying to even really kick one off without a whole bunch of inclusiveness because it becomes, oh, this Rob's from Libsyn, Todd's from Blueberry. Right. It's a it's sandbox same, thing. It's the, it's same, the same issue thing. that we're talking it's the about same thing. with the podcast. So, right? you know, it's like, right. yeah. so you're, you know, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't almost. Yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, there needs to be some leadership that exists. Yeah. And, and where that leadership starts, and that's why we're both... Uh, open to letting this Academy of Podcasts uh, organization kind of take its course to see how inclusive they are and how open they are to the entire industry. Yeah. So how has your Asian American Podcast Association, are you guys trying to come up with bylaws, goals, or now is it just a rough affiliation? What's, what's, what's your mindset on how you make this work? It's an evolution and still a moving target. I don't know what it can become. I think that so far we have set it up as a nonprofit in the state of New York. And longer term, we have aspirations to either be a 501c3 to get some federal recognition. But yep. the question is, is it a membership organization or are we just trying to get grants um, you know, apply for arts uh, grants opportunities that can go towards funding for different programs that can be more educational and uh, promote podcasting as a whole. And then again, grant writers are almost a special breed in themselves, so you would need someone to be a grant writer. Hopefully you can find someone in the group that could do that. Then do they have the time? Do you pay them? And all those questions keep coming back, right? Oh, yeah. Even old. setting up a 501c3, that's, you know, that's not necessarily a small undertaking either. Running a nonprofit is not easy either. Right. Yeah. So then again, we're right back to the same question. Does that then become your full-time job? Is there enough money in it to make it work and put bread on the table and at the same time continue to do what's your thing without conflict? It's, it goes full circle once again. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not an easy job, but I think that on the plus side, there is so much interest in podcasting. And just like we see here at PodFest, so many podcasters who have not launched yet, regardless of whether or not they're going to continue longer term. But there's a lot of creativity out there, a lot of interest out there. And we see that among the Asian American space. And we want to make sure that those voices are heard because things are changing in Hollywood, but we feel like still uh, ethnically underrepresented on the big screen or on television. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we're seeing progress there, but definitely there's room for improvement. And we feel the same thing, I think, in podcasting right. as well. And I think from my perspective is I'm really excited about the diversity in this space right now. I think the ladies are leading by far. More women are coming into podcasting right now than men are. Uh, the women of color, the diversity groups, it really, really excites me a lot. You know, let's look, you know, we go back to 2005. It was uh, uh, pretty much a male boys club at that time with a few women participating. But it was, it's, it's good that the space has become very diverse and we have these diverse voices. I was really encouraged. And when I was in, I went to the Spark Christian Podcast Conference in Houston a week or two ago. And the event was attended by 85, 90% women. And what I found there was that um, they just wanted to be able to have a voice 
in their perspective, denomination, ministry work, whatever it was, and it was their goals. And maybe they weren't getting that completely through their church, but they were able to do it via podcast. I found it really empowering, and it was exciting to see all these women that wanted to, you know, get their voices out and be heard and do the work that they wanted to do. So I think there's opportunities across the entire spectrum of categories of content for for all groups to be to be heard, and uh, it's it's about time. Well, that's one of the reasons why I love the podcasting medium, and I'm I continue to be bullish that hopefully it can lead the way because there's not a gatekeeper. Oftentimes, when we when we're at workshops here, you know, you hear that what is the biggest obstacle between you and launching your show? Usually, it's you, right? Right. Right. And that's very rare in other mediums. So, podcasting has the potential to lead the way and have more diversity, more women podcasters, hosts, uh, editors, really across the board, because. it's not always about the downloads and the ratings, which, you know, TV and radio, you need to sell ads to continue your show. In podcasting, that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. You know, and I think... A lot of shows don't need to. Yeah. And I think that's what excited us about when the space kicked off. We go back to that point. There was no way... If you had a blog, you could blog. You could put audio on the blog. But there was really no way to get distribution. You wanted to get on Xbox or you wanted to get on Yahoo or some of these other places that were popular at the time there was gatekeepers and you had to go through a process and sign contracts and give points and, you know, they looked at your content. It was not, it was, it was impossible. And the podcasting space, when this opened up this free distribution and be able to take that content with you, um, we don't really appreciate it as much now because it's right here in our pocket. You know, we, we, we walk around with the shows in our pocket and at the time we had to plug cable in and right. sync things up and it was kind of crazy, but we were still excited yeah. that, as you said a few seconds ago, no gatekeepers. And as long as we continue to have no gatekeepers in space, this space will continue to thrive and grow and everyone will have a voice. Um, I think back to Dragon Con, I was uh, sitting in the back of the room and there was a group of people that were talking about being, they were doing a protest. And uh, the news crew showed up and they went over and talked to an individual that wasn't part of the protest to get his opinion about what was going on and they were pissed because they were talking to someone that wasn't involved and trying to get the feedback on what this was about. So they started a podcast because they knew the media wasn't going to treat them equally, and they they had to rely on themselves to get the word out and get their message and distributed and syndicated. And to me, that was like, King, this is again, here we are, no gatekeepers and why the space is being successful. Yeah, and I love it. In podcasting, you can be very experimental. You're not tied to a duration of show with commercials. Um, You have a lot of flexibility. You can do a 15-minute show this week, and you can do a two-hour show next week. And we've seen that whether it's blogging, whether it's YouTube, whether it's Instagram or it's podcast, Mm -hmm. there is tremendous power in building an audience. If you have a following that's powerful, you can choose whether or not you want to monetize that and make it a commercial venture. But time and time again, we see those with a big following. Ultimately, odds are it becomes something that someone can do as a full-time job. And you can't be put in Facebook jail. You can't be delisted because of the community standards. You're on the air because you have an RSS feed, and that really is the key to all of this. You know, it really, really is. Yeah. And 
I do think that there is some concern apart, um, with the podcaster community that there there is the possibility of gatekeepers coming to this medium, and I think that really there's a little bit of sensitivity that's um, bleeded into this podcast academy because of that concern. Because I do think that there is um, some levels of gatekeepers in this space from the standpoint of you know Apple and Spotify, whatever, what shows they promote, which shows they feature. And, and if you think back to television and movies and things like that, you can kind of see where, and that's where the concern comes from, is the influence that exists around exclusive content, whatever, that starts taking up those promotional spots, right? And the, the independent producers or the ones that are you know, innovating in the space don't get the, um, the air to breathe to, to grow because it gets occupied. You know, and it, there, there is huge value in awards and having run the podcast awards now for 15 years minus one year when someone else tried to take it over disaster um yeah. and of course we had our bumps in the road too with doing that or i did and having that uh, event but what we find today is is the 220 shows that end up being nominated by their listeners that make the slate um that is almost the key to the success of that event because even though someone may win a category and while that's a great uh, you can, you know, great bragging rights and everything else, but those 220 shows on that website over a year get over 5 million outbound clicks to those 220 shows because right. we come up in all the search results for categories and stuff and they, they come in and say, oh, there's, and they'll click 10 shows in a category and go in. So there is huge value in being recognized. So I think there's plenty of room in the um, space for as many awards as we can have that are viable, that yeah. are friendly. Uh, iHeart can continue to do their thing and promoting their own internal shows. And, well, they do a little bit outside, but it's a kind of little good old boy club-ish. Uh, but I think there's plenty of rooms for awards and, and groups, and as long as it moves the space forward, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. More podcasters. Yeah, I mean, I attended the iHeart Radio Podcast Awards here just a, just a couple months ago, and, and it was quite a production. They, they, they had a big audience, and it was a fairly small theater, though. It was their own theater and everything, so they, they really controlled the production. It was actually live audio streamed across like a thousand radio stations across the country. So getting back to the value of these bigger companies and these networks, they are driving awareness, visibility to the podcasting medium like we've never seen before. Uh, so there is a benefit to having those guys involved. It's just how do we, you know, put enough pressure on those or those corporations to make sure that they're open to the rest of the community. And that's, that's the challenge. Well, time and time again, we've seen with the Grammy Awards, with the Academy Awards, it's not free of controversy. Right. So Never. Never. I think <laughs> as a podcast creator... Do you really care about the awards? I mean, if you win, it's great right. to get right. exposure right. and recognition. But at the end of the day, that's not the reason why you're podcasting. No. no. And right. therefore, right. you're just going to create. The industry is yeah. changing. I don't think that you're going to reach a point where there's a gatekeeper. Sure, there are opportunities. There are big networks. There are big companies that uh, they are going to choose what shows they're promoting. Right. But... There's always, there's always the chance for an indie podcaster to start with nothing and to have a breakout hit. Right. And I think that Agreed. that is the beauty. And as there are more and more shows, again, it comes back to that puts pressure on the creator just to create a better and unique show. 
You know, so it, I think the listener wins. The way I look at it is, you know, I was a guy that was in the Navy at the time. I was uh, laid up because of a back injury, and I heard about podcasting. I started, I had no, I mean, zero. I was a horrible blogger, um, and I, but I loved to chat. So I started my show, and, you know, within a year or two, it fully monetized, still is, still successful, still has a niche audience, and I consider the show incredibly successful over the years with not only the amount of money I've raised, the contacts I've made, just through, not including Blueberry, but just the podcast alone, lifetime friends, connections, uh, people's lives that you've changed, even through a tech show, which sounds kind of weird. Um, but there's, there's a lot of reasons to, to do a show and a lot of, as we talk to podcasters on Blueberry's Podcast Insider, so what's your, you know, what was your origin story? What was your goal? What are you getting out of it? What are your listeners getting out of it? And I think most of us do this to give something to our listeners, to have at least one or two people have a, have an effect, cause and effect. That's what podcasting is all about. And you don't get that on radio. No. And the, the diversity of content isn't on radio either. So, right. I mean, that's the power of this medium. It's, it's a niche medium. You can dig into topics. You can really cover stuff. If you want to talk for five hours, you right. can. If you want to talk for and some 15 shows minutes, do. yes, they do. <laughs> I think yeah. that the listener wins, right? Yeah. Yeah. In any case. So also for our listeners, I do want to mention Adam Curry was just on Mark Maron's podcast. I'm hearing mixed uh, no, I'm reviews on Joe, that. Joe Rogan. Uh, Joe Rogan, excuse right, right, right. me. Joe Rogan. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Joe Rogan's <laughs> show. And uh, so that's three hours and 15 minutes to hear the Podfather podcasting talk about his story. But he's it'd be curious. I haven't, heard, I haven't listened to it yeah. yet. So we'll have yeah. to hear what Adam has to say. And, of course, he also still does the No Agenda show. But... Uh, with John C. DeWart, but that should be a good interview to listen to. Yeah. No, it definitely is. Yeah, go ahead. I'll definitely check that out. Yeah. Well, I do want to thank Chris Kremitzos and PodFest for putting on a great event for indie podcasters and for really welcoming the Asian American Podcasters Association. We're having a meetup later today awesome. in conjunction with the Women of Color Podcasters and Podbean, and I think it'll be a, a really great uh, meet up, and we just feel so welcomed here. So, and you know that's the when we come to these types of events. I don't, Rob. Maybe it's gotten bigger, but it yeah. almost feels like a family reunion. Yeah, you see friends that you've known for years, or you meet new people, and you see them come back the next year, and you find out they've been successful, or maybe they haven't jumped in yet. Maybe they're on year two of getting started. Uh, but it's exciting to see people get going and get running and come back, and they're all excited about year two or year three. So this is what this event is all about. I think that it's exciting, and uh, uh, for those of you that are not attending PodFest, definitely put it on your list for next year that are listening to the show. Yeah, and then Podcast Movement is coming up in August in Dallas. So what do you think, Rob, before we have to go here? We've got a few minutes. What do you think? Is there definitely a divide now between PodFest and Podcast Movement? I think we're, I mean, if you think about the very structure of each event, and I know if you were to talk to Dan and Jared about this, they probably would object to me saying this, but um, they, the podcast movement event is a more of a Monday through Friday thing, right? Which tends to play to be, and Todd, you've said this for many years, it tends to play to uh, people that are working full-time jobs in the podcasting medium, right? Or they're with big networks uh, where this event is geared more towards the weekend, right? Which right. is where people are off work and people can take the time out to go to an event. So I think just that right there uh, is, a, is a dividing line, right? Because, I mean, how many people are willing to take five or six days off 
well, first of all, if you're jobs, indie, right? And you have, if you're indie and you get, let's say, you get 15 days of vacation a year, right? And the wife is, or your wife or significant other, right. girlfriend, whatever, is expecting you to have some vacation time for you to do stuff together. And you say, hey, I'm going to go to a podcasting event in the middle of the week and take PTO. Right. They're going to be like, no, you're not. Right. And in this event, at least they can come down and maybe take one or two days off and be here for the weekend and maybe combine it with a vacation at the same time. But uh, I think that's a big delta. And I think that's why a lot of the indie podcasters can come here is because they don't have to take a whole block. They don't have to take 40 hours off. Right. And Gerald and Dan, I know you're listening. So slide your event. Slide your event. Let's get into Friday, Yeah, a little Saturday, bit more Sunday. into the weekend you know, <laughs> would be helpful, I, I think, to attract uh, more, more new podcasters and indie producers, and I think it'll help your event and, grow. And maybe schedule the event where the right. indie stuff starts on Friday or something. Right. Yeah, and have right. the corporate stuff right. Tuesday, Wednesday, or Wednesday, Thursday. Right. I, I think that there's room for both. Yeah. Just in polling different attendees here, uh, I'm, I'm hearing feedback on both events, and uh, you know, just the anecdotal evidence has been that you know, you can go to podcast movement as an indie podcaster because you're going to sessions and you're listening to some of the biggest network shows and you're learning from Absolutely. guys who have many more downloads than you. They have much bigger teams than you, but you can come away with that right. and apply something to your own show, even if you're yeah. a one man yeah. or one woman show. Uh, and then, you know, contrary to that, People come here and they say, this is for indie podcasters. They feel home as in, they feel like they're at home mm -hmm. as an indie podcaster. So, you know, just different feel. Yeah. And you come to different events for different reasons and different things. And you take good things away from both. Even the Podcast Movement Evolutions event had a completely different feel than the regular podcast right. movement. It was right. a lot of uh, Los Angeles creators, people that were trying to sell movies that had failed and right. were reconditioning them to be podcasts. I mean, it was like, wow. There was a whole, I mean, I walked away from like, there were like 25 new ways to do podcasts because you have this whole new group of creators with different goals, different ideas. And uh, that to me was like, man, you can, you can spin this thing 25 ways to Sunday. It's crazy. And I think that the podcast movement event is 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 going to be an important one this year. I think, um, and, and hopefully we have it given the the um, yeah. virus climate that we have right now and canceled events. Um, I, I just hope it happens because I think it's going to be a pivotal year this and year. And there's a lot of regional events too. The independent yeah. podcast group that's going to be up in the, on uh, the East Coast. Right. And uh, so you go to those regional events if you can't get out to some of these bigger ones. But we're almost done here. Andy, why don't you plug your show, your site? Thank you. Uh, my show is the Inspired Money Podcast. And you guys talking about the different conferences, it reminds me that when I went to Podcast Movement in Philadelphia, uh, I, it was such a great opportunity for me to interview different guests, including Cole Cabana, who was there for me to in interview a former WWE wrestler right. about money <laughs> and his awesome. career yeah. was uh, such an honor and such a blast. So yes, people can find me at inspiredmoney.fm where I'm interviewing different guests about positive money stories. You can also find me at aapodcasters.com. That's the Asian American Podcasters Association. And um, like I said, we have a meetup here later today. I think we'll be doing one in New York. And then later in the year, hoping to do one on the West Coast, I think in, in L.A. somewhere. Outstanding. Rob, how can they reach you? 
Um, probably the best place to find me is on Twitter, at Rob Greenlee. And then I have a, a website, too, robgreenlee.com. And certainly, if you want to start a podcast, you can go to lipson.com. It's a great place. Of course, I'm at Geek News on Twitter or Todd at Blueberry.com and get over to Blueberry as well to yeah, start right. a podcast. That's right. And uh, we want to thank everyone for listening to the new media show today. We will be back next Saturday. Maybe, are we going to get, uh, have we had any response from Marco? I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to get him on for on Friday, I think. Oh, when, Friday. So we're Friday, hoping to have Marco Met from Overcast on the 13th. If we do, that's going to be a big poll. Yeah. And uh, we'll see how many listeners. I, I'm sure that will be an opinionated, opinionated show. Yeah. Marco <laughs> uh, has a pretty strong position yeah, on the industry. Yeah, so it'll right? be fun to have Marco on. But uh, everyone, thanks for being here. Go over to newmediashow.com, subscribe to the podcast, and uh, we'll see you again here uh, next week. Everyone, take care. Take care. Bye.